Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of the Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. The cryptocurrency market has been on a roller coaster ride this past week, with Bitcoin and other cryptos taking a dip in the middle of the week, rebounding the next day. It's been pretty volatile. But we also heard about a report from the FTC about cryptocurrency scams and how they spiked 1,000% in the past year. This cost about 70,000 people more than $80 million. Interestingly, when we hear a lot about money scams, it's usually with older people. But in this crypto market, we're seeing these scams happen among people ages 20 to 49. If anyone's asking you to pay by cryptocurrency, wire transfer, or a gift card, it's most likely going to be a scammer. So watch out. For more on how these cryptocurrency scammers are cashing in, we'll speak to Kate Marino, business editor at Axios. I think the long and short of it is that when people see other people out there making a lot of money on crypto, um, the fear of missing out, the FOMO, makes them exceptionally vulnerable to these scammers. Um, And scam artists certainly know that. And they see it in the headlines and they kind of (laughs) identify that this is this is an easy area to target people in. Um, And the huge uptick in scams and reported losses really just goes right along with um, the uptick in prices of, say, Bitcoin. If you look at um, the price chart over the past six months, you see, you know, huge up and to the right over the past six months. And that's kind of when all the scams really um, started to multiply um, and come out in full force. So it, it's really just kind of a no-brainer tied to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you, you mentioned kind of this FOMO aspect of it. We saw a bunch of stuff happening with GameStop, Dogecoin, you know, obviously Bitcoin figures into all of this stuff. And a lot of times when we hear about money scams, we think about older people, maybe don't know what's going on as much. Uh, the FTC who produced a report talking about a lot of these scams, they said that most of the people that were being scammed were between the ages of 20 and 49. So skewing a lot younger than the normal money scams we're seeing out there. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that kind of lines up with um, just what I've been observing in the market, which is that a lot of this FOMO investing is really driven by online groups and by, you know, apps and new technology. So it's really something that more of a younger crowd um, is involved in. And really in the online chat groups is a huge part of where um, the scammers kind of like find their victims and gain the trust of people. Um, So that sort of aligns with the younger demographic. Yeah, let's talk about some of those scams and and how they work. As I mentioned, there was a bunch of scams that were where there was a fake Elon Musk asking for investments And then there was a lot of this happening on dating apps, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that the online dating, it's literally, it's just yet another iteration of, like, the catfishing kind of, do you actually know who you're dating? Um, If you haven't met them in person, it might be a scam. Um, And this is just one other way in which, you know, somebody tries to gain your trust online and then, you know, after they gain your trust, they're like, Oh, Hey, you know, like I've got this tip or this investment, you know, send, send your Bitcoin over here and you're going to make lots of money. It's, it's kind of just 
you know, one more, one more aspect of that, uh, that playing out. Even saw some, uh, some of these scams that people said involved the Social Security Administration, which, you know, if they're ever asking you for anything, it's probably a scam. You know, they don't reach out I know, in, in I know. the most traditional like, ways. Yeah, like who among us hasn't gotten a weird phone call on your cell phone saying that you owe the Social Security Administration or the IRS money? It's like, don't listen to those. Right. I mean, they like strictly reach out to you by mail. Old school mail is the only way the Social Security Administration reaches out to you. So anything else is most likely going to be a scam. And and then, like I said, on the Elon Musk side, uh, I think people were just uh, given links to about Tesla saying they're going to be giving away half of their stake in Bitcoin and send in some money so maybe you can get uh, involved in all of this. And and really, it was just kind of the promise of uh bigger investments being paid out to you if you gave them a little bit of money. And, you know, one of the things why people love cryptocurrency so much is that the transactions are largely anonymous. But in this case, it helps those scammers because it's just so hard to trace back if you do lose some money out of this. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, scammers like to glom on to some kind of a celebrity name to just gain attention to whatever the scam is. Um, and, um, I don't know if you said this figure before, but apparently the FTC said in the last six months that people sent over $2 million to just to Elon Musk impersonators, <laughs> um, which is a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the takeaway is that to make money from any kind of cryptocurrency, it's just invest in the cryptocurrency itself. Don't, you know, like send crypto somewhere thinking you're going to get more back or, you know, do anything else with it. It's like, just invest in it. And, you know, you might have some ups and downs, but uh, you got to be ready for that, for that ride. But right. that's, that's the only thing. <laughs> right. From that FTC report, they said since October, 2020, 7,000 people reported total losses of more than $80 million in crypto related scams. So that's a lot of money for, for a lot of people more generally though, about cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, we've been seeing them have, uh, such a big rise in interest and in trading. and uh, But we've seen how volatile those ups and downs are. Uh, why is it hitting this moment right now? I mean, I think it's really just been the kind of, as you mentioned, with like the meme stocks and the, um, the Reddit trades with GameStop and AMC and others, it's kind of this gamification and democratization of kind of like anyone having access to this potential gold mine investment. Um, whereas before technology enabled that um, people didn't have as much access. Um, and, you know, the other thing is people have had a lot of time on their hands um, throughout the right. pandemic. Um, so they're not going out as much. They're, you know, sitting at home online, they're on apps. So what do I do? Um, and everyone's financial situation is a little different as a result of the pandemic. You know, some people maybe, um, lost their job and they're trying to make money on the side or they got a stimulus check and are trying to put that to use. Um, other people that are not, you know, financially strapped, it might just be more like, oh, I've got extra money. You know, what should I do with it? Let me put it into Bitcoin or something. So the pandemic um, has driven behavior in many different ways. Yeah. And that FOMO aspect is is real. You know, people see uh, others making some some gains and they want to do it, too, and, and hitch that ride to the moon. So uh, it's, exactly. it's definitely having that moment right now. Kate Marino, business editor at Axios. 
Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Finally for this week, as students spent more than a year at home in remote learning settings, cheating has become more rampant and easier than ever. Educators say a big part of why this is rising is stress and pressure during the pandemic. And a lot of the cheating is being done on homework help and homework auction sites. This is where students can post their assignments and people bid on completing them for a price. And one of the kickers of all this is that these students are getting very gutsy as well. If they don't get the grade that the auction site promised that they'd get, sometimes they contact the Better Business Bureau and complain to them saying they didn't get that promised grade. This whole thing of online cheating has even boosted another industry, surveillance-type companies that hire online proctors to watch students take tests from home. For more on the latest surge in cheating, we'll speak to Tonell Hobbs, senior special writer at the Wall Street Journal. There is a lot of this site, and I talked to quite a few, and they said they have gained millions of new users during the pandemic. And in talking to students and reaching out to them through social media, I started becoming aware of these auction sites where they can actually put their work up for auction. And you have people that bid on it. And it's almost like Yelp for cheaters. These people have ratings. You don't have to go with the lowest bidder. You can go with the person who's got a great track record of doing math work. The pitch on one of these websites that says, consider hiring me to do your assignment. I work fast, pay close attention to the instructions, and deliver a plagiarism-free paper. I mean, you know, that's big. The plagiarism free thing is big. Yeah. They're selling themselves to, as you mentioned, to the students that want the help with the the homework and the, the, the assignments. Let's talk a little bit about this, because in North Carolina State University, there was a teacher who was concerned about this and kind of set up like a mini sting operation almost. Tell us how he found out his students were cheating and how many, because there was a lot. There was a lot. And actually, at the end of it, he was really surprised at how many there were. He had suspected some cheating was going on, just doing what he does. He's looking at grades and things like that. So what he did, he had access to a computer program, and and the students didn't realize this. Each exam was different, whether it was just a word or two different in the question. So once he gave that exam and those questions started popping up on one certain side, it was the Chegg study site. And Chegg is, you know, some students use it the right way. Some students don't, obviously. But once the questions started popping up there, he's like, wow. And Chegg is one of the outfits that actually prides itself on trying to help stop cheating. So what Chegg ended up doing, you know, they worked with Tyler Johnson. That's the coordinator of the class. And he was able to see that it didn't just catch students who posted, but it also was able to tell those who actually looked at the answers. So even if you didn't post, it's like, oh, my classmate already posted. Let me just look at the answer. So they got those people, too. Yeah, he found about 200 students were caught cheating. It was one fourth of the class. That's just at North Carolina State University, Texas A&M. They had a 50 percent increase in cheating, 71 percent of investigations in University of Pennsylvania. Even West Point had dozens of cadets cheating. So, I mean, when you're not in classroom settings, these things become so much easier. Let's talk about that industry then, this kind of work for hire, homework for hire type thing, because you guys did something really interesting there at the Wall Street Journal. You put out your own bid or something, basically uh, saying, hey, you know, the Wall Street Journal is looking for help cheating an article. How how did that go? Well, the reason why we did that, because I wanted to see how easy is it to do this? And obviously 
we are a media company, so we had to let them know, hey, we're doing this for a story. We're not paying you and all of this stuff. But as soon as we posted, just saying, hey, Wall Street Journal is looking for help cheating, and automatically they started bidding. And the bids ranged, I think it was like from $15, and then somebody said that they would help us if we gave them 2000 but it was, it was fast. I mean, yeah. the bids started coming in fast and we ended up pulling it down. Like after about 30 minutes, we stopped the auction, but it was just that easy for me to go on there. I don't even think it took not even a minute and a half for me to post the assignment. Yeah. And I mean, obviously people responding right away, they're not even reading it. They're just trying to get whatever cool. quote unquote work they can at that point. The other thing that we saw an increase in is kind of surveillance type companies that hire uh, online proctors to watch students taking tests from home. So cheating has gotten so bad, they need to watch the yeah. students from home so they can make sure they don't do it. And there's all sorts of stuff that goes into that too, facial recognition stuff to catch eyes right. wandering. How, how does that work? That can be kind of contentious, actually, because you obviously now have a person in many cases watching a student through a webcam. But I've noticed it at the college level, especially that's what they're going to, to get these exams done. You know, the colleges that aren't in session at all, or the students that aren't back on campus, they want to test them. And they said, well, we're going to hire these proctors to do this. And that has been contentious, but a, those companies are growing big time. They're growing just as much as the companies that students are using to cheat. So, okay. The uh, overarching question, why are students cheating? It's happened for forever. I mean, cheating has always been gone on as long as school has gone on. Maybe a student is unprepared, who knows, whatever. But when you're at home, you have your, even your own classroom materials. I mean, it, it seems like it's much easier, but a lot of people are pointing to obviously the stress and pressure due to the pandemic. I heard that more than anything from students. It was the stress. It was the pressure. It was just, sometimes they just felt lost. It's a lot different being in that physical classroom and being able to raise your hand or maybe you look confused and the teacher notices that. Some of them just felt like they fell behind. And then some of them, quite frankly, said, we're in a pandemic. Anything goes. We should be able to use whatever resources we need to make this work. I got quite a few of that, of (laughs) of people that said that. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can sympathize with a little bit of anything goes in the pandemic, but this is a specific situation. You're learning, you're trying to get your education, you're obviously skirting that. You're not learning if you're contracting someone else to do it. That's right. And you know what? I tell the students, it's like, oh, so you cheated all of Spanish one when you go back to school in person. How are you going to be ready for Spanish two? Right. Exactly. Uh, when you, when, <laughs> They're like, when you're ready to move on. Um, it, well, then they're saying they might have to keep doing it. So it, there's that. If you could indulge me for a second, because mm-hmm. I, unfortunately I found it kind of funny, but there was some unique new ways that students were cheating, including wearing wigs, using drones. Uh, what did what did you find out regarding that? Yes. Well, every time I would talk to one of the proctoring companies, I just wanted to kind of find out, hey, what ways are they cheating? And some of the ways were just so, you know, I'm like, wow, these kids are getting creative. Using a drone to, you know, the drones have the cameras and beaming the drone down so that the drone can take a picture, you know, so they could send it off or sell the questions or whatever. And then the wig thing was interesting because apparently there was a female student. She was taking a test and she ended up sneezing and she got off camera. Next thing you know, there's a male wearing a wig trying to impersonate her. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, there was some, that was, the, I mean, the, that was the, the one the that got me. Companies have been shocked. Yeah. yeah they have been really shocked. 
let's move on a little bit then. So what's happening too is on the flip side, the students, right? They're using these services. Sometimes the product is not that great. So they're not getting the grades that they quote unquote wanted to pay for. And then they're getting gutsy. They're going to the Better Business Bureau and trying to throw these companies under the bus saying that they're, you know, the product is not there. So they're cheating and complaining about it. Yeah, that was shocking to me. And I found out about that because I had talked to a student that said, and she had said, I'm going to the Better Business Bureau because a friend of mine did that. So I decided to check with the Better Business Bureau. And sure enough, they were complaining. And there was a lot of complaints. And it, it was shocking. And a lot of complaints, you know, students said they were promised, they were assured that they would have an A. And there are some of these people that do this. And they will assure you a certain grade. I've seen students that say, you get a bonus if I get an A. That's 20 more dollars. So these kids, they were complaining to the Better Business Bureau that they didn't get the great promise or it was plagiarized. A lot of these people assure you that they will not plagiarize the work because some of the universities, especially uh, also in the schools, they can run the assignment through this plagiarism software. That's the reason why the kids always say it has to be unique so it will not get caught up in the plagiarism software. When they get caught up in that, they will complain to the Better Business Bureau about that, too. Okay, and the last part of this, uh, going back Mm -hmm. to the example of Tyler Johnson at North Carolina State University, they caught Mm -hmm. 200 students. They gave them three options with how to deal with this, either come clean, fight it with whatever administration there at the school, or meet with the teacher and try to hash something out. How did that go? Most of the kids, there were, I guess, probably half of the kids decided to do the Zoom meeting with the teacher. And basically what he said, he's a coordinator, what he, once he laid it out for them, they just kind of said, okay, you got us. There were about 30 to 35 of them that took their chances in a hearing process, and only one of them was fully vindicated. So the vast majority of those kids got punished. Now, he found evidence that some kids were using another cheating site to cheat. But he said, unfortunately, that cheating site did not cooperate with the university. So there was actually more than the 200 he suspects that cheated. It's just they didn't get cooperation from the other cheating site. Wow. Just kind of an unfortunate side story to all of this. As you mentioned, a lot of them said anything goes in the pandemic. And this kind of just seemed primed to happen while students are all remote learning. So just an interesting look. And, you know, we'll see how this increases, how this changes when kids go back to school and how prepared they are. So we'll monitor all of yeah. that. You know, the educators are, they're really worried about it because some of these kids haven't been in a physical classroom for a year. And you have some students who will tell you, nope, I used this and this the whole time. How are they going to be ready for Algebra 2 if they didn't do their work for Algebra 1? Exactly. So it's a concern. Tonnell Hobbs, Senior Special Writer at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.